Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is William Hockey, uh, current president of Plaid.com, P-L-A-I-D. William, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, let's, you know, let's start off directly. Uh, what is Plaid about? What do you guys do? Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for having us. So I guess for context, um, I'm William. I'm the founder and president of Plaid. And what we do is we focus on enabling innovation in the financial services. And what that means is we build a platform that enables anybody, whether you're a small developer or a large company, to actually build on top of the existing financial services stack. So if you think about any time you need to interact with your finances or interact with your bank, we're probably the technology that powers that. And so whether you use something like you know Square or Venmo or Stripe or Coinbase, uh, they all actually use Flat on the back end to interact with your with your bank and your finances, and we power all of that. So what does that mean, interact? Um, what's your role specifically if I'm going to use uh, sure. Coinbase? You know, what's happening with you yeah. guys? Yeah, so you know, let's take like Coinbase or Venmo or something like that. You need to actually hook up your bank account to those applications. So in Venmo's case, you need to actually figure out, hey, is this actually who you are? Like, what is your identity? What is the actual information that you need to read and write from your bank account? You can actually transfer funds to your friend, or when your friend transfers money to you, you can actually deposit that back into your bank account. Or in the example of like a cryptocurrency application, like Gemini or Coinbase or something like that, they actually need to do a bunch of fraud on the system to actually understand, hey, are you actually who you say you are? Is this, um, are you the individual who actually needs to look up, hook up to this account? And then once you do, can they actually start to move US fiat into their system and so they can exchange that for Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you're going to do? This kind of goes across the stack as well. So we also do this with transactional data. So if you're a small business, you need to look at, all, you need to send all of your transaction data to your accounting application or your bookkeeping application. And so all of that can be automated. Um, we power all of that interaction between the existing financial systems, whether that's, you know, your Chase or Bank of America or your Wells Fargo account. You can actually send that data to the third-party application. So, all right. So a big part of what you do is this connection between the bank and the provider and also the, um, I guess, the compliance, the, the fraud compliance, right? Yeah, exactly. So we, uh, you know, where we kind of sit is between these uh, financial firms, right? So the largest consumer and business banks in the U.S., and all of these new applications, right? There needs to be a flow of data between the two and the consumer. Um, we handle all of that, and then we handle a lot of the security and the compliance aspects as well. 
to make sure that all the data that's being transmitted is trans- being transmitted securely. Both parties actually agree to what's going on and making sure there's no bad actors in the system. So what are some of the, um, the elements that goes into uh, preventing fraud? What do you guys look for and, and how do you make sure that it uh, doesn't happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we've lucky enough from the, from the earliest days where we had like a really strong security and compliance um, practice. And so it really goes to the entire system to actually making sure we vet all the clients we're working with, making sure that they're actual reputable businesses. And on the other side, making sure the users are actually on board. You know, they're not people that have stolen, um, stolen people's identities or stolen different data. And there's a bunch of ways we can do that, right? There's a lot of basic things around just looking, you know, where the people are coming from to more complex things about actually understanding the user patterns and saying, hey, the way this user is interacting with this flow, is that what a normal user looks like or is that more of a bot? Um, so it really, it varies on the complexity scale. Well, once someone starts using an account, let's say I have a Coinbase account, you know, if I log in uh, once a day, it's always at night, it's always from like these IP addresses or sorry, this, this GPS area. Yeah, I guess I'd have a pattern to my account pretty quickly. Uh, do you guys use that to determine it's me? You know, I, I don't think yeah. magically a bot would all of a sudden start be using my account, but I guess it could. Like, what are the what are yeah. the common ways you see fraud? What happens? Yeah, I mean, so for that example, I mean, that's going to be up to Coinbase to kind of work with. I think where we really, where really, we really come into the flow is actually the initial hookup. Um, so when you actually hook up your bank account directly to Coinbase initially. That's where we're going to do our analysis. I think everything after that is going to be up to the third-party application. You know, I'm not going to speak for Coinbase here. Um, but just in general, as you think about all the third-party applications, we have an immense amount of data and we have an immense amount of users connecting every single day. And so we can start to see the patterns arise. We understand, you know, what a normal user looks like. You know, are they, um, you know, where their, where their mouse movement's coming from? What is the velocity of actions that they're sending to us? we can understand pretty quickly what is an automated user versus what is an actual legitimate user coming in. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Um, What's so difficult about the hookup that you guys do? Uh, You know, I've heard banks don't even want to deal with um, companies that deal in cryptocurrency. So how do you guys do it? Do you have a better relationship? Do you understand what banks need or are afraid of? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, there's definitely, I think there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of chatter about, you know, the relationship between, you know, fintech and the larger financial institutions. But I think, you know, we've lucky enough to think to evolve past that. Well, I think there's now actually a really great harmonious relationship between the financial firms and a lot of these third-party applications. I think we, um, we allow applications to hook up into 9,600 um, banks in the U.S. Because in the end, I think the interests are very much aligned, that we're all kind of trying to empower the consumer. Like, as a consumer... I want to be able to, you know, bank with my bank, but also send money to my friends via, you know, Square Cash, Venmo, or whatnot. I want to be able to buy cryptocurrency and, and stuff. And so I think the financial firms have recognized that it's actually really great to actually empower the consumer, make sure the consumer is actually engaging with the bank, engaging with their money, and it actually creates that it creates a sense of loyalty with the bank in the end. I think that was definitely a transition over the past couple of years, but I think now when you've seen financial technology actually hit mainstream. I think that mantra has really um, has really resonated with the banks. So you think that the um, the banks are okay with it now? They, just, I mean, I had thought that uh, again, they just have such strict AML KYC compliance problems and uh, and other regulations weighing on them that they didn't really want to touch crypto. But are you seeing that they're more welcoming now and they're open to it? 
You know, I, I think when you talk about like banks touching crypto, I think there's a lot of different ways that that can go. I mean, you know, we we work with a lot of cryptocurrencies and we also work with a lot of financial firms. Um, I think there are definitely, and as you think about if you're trying to start a cryptocurrency company, you do need an underlying bank to actually work off of. I think there are definitely a lot of more forward-thinking banks that are working with them. I mean, you've seen, uh, you know, uh, a whole new breed of cryptocurrency companies start out, and they do have underlying banking providers. And so I think there definitely is um, the knowledge and the know-how on the bank side to actually work with some of these cryptocurrency companies. Okay. I think, you know, to your question, much more than much more than two or three years ago. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, some of them, they have banking relationships. They've got to be able to do it somehow. We've got some U.S.-based exchanges, you know, Bittrex, Poloniex, et cetera. We have Coinbase. They're all uh, appear to be U.S.-based, so they've got to have some banking relationships. Otherwise, they couldn't do what they do. Yeah, no, I think, you know, you've seen this. I mean, you've seen some, you know, some, some firms actually integrate and invest in companies like Coinbase. You know, our investors are like our city, American Express, Goldman Sachs. And so I think... From a partnership standpoint, you've also seen a bunch of banks actually invest in some of these new financial technology companies as well, which I think is a really good sign. What do you see because you you have relationships with you know these large financial institutions? What do they think of cryptocurrency, and you know what are they making their own plans for it? They how do they want to be involved in the ecosystem? You know, I, I think I'm not going to speak for for the banks exactly in terms of what their thoughts on cryptocurrency are. I, I think. Um, you know, in, in general, the banks are much more forward thinking and much more um, observant of these trends than probably most people give them credit for. Um, but into the actual specifics, you know, I probably have to go talk to some of the bankers to, to get their take on that instead of my own. Yeah, but at least from what you can see, they're a lot more savvy and more willing than people think without that don't know the bank. Can you say that? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I, I think in the end, I think, you know, the banks, they have to do what's best for them and they do what's best for the consumers. And I think, you know, they're, they're, they've always been a little bit slower to adopt new technologies, but I think in the end, they've usually come around. And I think, you know, if cryptocurrency definitely has a lasting power that a lot of people think it will, um, I think you'll definitely see the banks come around. I think they'll obviously be slower than, you know, than, than most early adopters and companies in Silicon Valley. But I think if it is something really large, I think they will they will come around eventually. And I think there are definitely parts of the banks that, that are, are probably moving much more quickly than people than people think. So do you, who is an ideal customer for you and how do you help them integrate with, uh, you know, with banks? Is it anyone that needs a gateway to process uh, credit cards or, you know, what kind of services do you guys provide specifically? Yeah. So, you know, we, we don't actually process um, payments per se, like Stripe or Braintree or something like that. We're like a level down, down from there. Like companies like Stripe and Square X are clients. We actually help the transmission of data from the, from the consumer to these applications. But, our, you know, we work with thousands of developers in the U.S. And so, you know, our perfect developers could be somebody just graduated from college or somebody building in a hackathon that wants to build a really new cool financial technology application. Then, you know, working with really large Fortune 50 companies as well that actually want to start innovating financial services, our customers are kind of across the spectrum. Um, earlier on, you know, all of our customers were, you know, early stage developers and small companies, you know. Companies like uh, Avemo is actually one of our earlier customers. And so I think getting the type of customers right in the cusp in their growth, I think, is usually where we try to go for. But we also work with lots of really large companies as well. Okay. So you're, all right. so you're, um, you're not at the merchant level, but you're at the, uh, the information moving level, essentially. Yeah, pretty much any time you think about that, you have to connect your physical bank account to, um, to an application. So whether it be a payroll application, 
a you know budgeting application, a cryptocurrency application, or payment application, that's going to be us in the background. The actual processing is going to be done by you know somebody who who works with us, like a like a Square or a Stripe or a Braintree or something like that. What about um, your data transmission happening on or anchored into a blockchain? You see that as a future for you, or is that not really needed for your interactions? You know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't really know what the needs are going to be as you think about, you know, a couple of years from now. Um, I think, you know, in, in our situation with a little bit more like a closed network, I don't think a lot of the, there's a, a lot of immediate benefits to something like blockchain. Um, but I think, you know, as we develop and the systems develop in the next couple of years, there definitely could be some interesting opportunities. Okay. I just wondered if you would end up using the technology yourself. Yeah, you know, I think there's definitely there's definitely some interesting stuff in which you can use it for in the future. I think, you know, right now, just given the given our, our closed network, there isn't there isn't a ton of uh, a ton of utility right now. So, what's on your guys' roadmap for the next six months or years? Any any year? Any big changes coming to plan? Additions? Yeah, it's it's mostly just around really expanding and really making sure that we have 100% coverage in the U.S. I think one of the things that we've seen over the past couple of years is the um, is you know, people who usually bank with the largest financial firms usually have access to the uh, to the most up-to-date tools and the most up-to-date technologies and things like that. And I think, you know, one of the big issues that we've been going on is like, how do we actually work with every single financial firm and every single consumer in the U.S.? And so whether you work, you bank with, you know, a top five bank or your local small credit union, you can still interact with these really incredible applications like Venmo, Coinbase, or anything like that. Traditionally, they've really only been siloed to some of the largest banks. Uh, but we really want to make sure that everybody in the U.S. and every single financial firm has the ability to really work and play nicely with this um, with this new kind of crop of financial technology companies. Do you think in the near future uh, I'll be able to go to uh, Chase or you know Bank of America and they'll have uh, integration with Coinbase, or I'll be able to you know buy and sell Bitcoin right alongside my bank account? Do you think there'll be an integration like that soon? You know, I, I don't know. That's probably something best asked, uh, you know, best asked Coinbase. I think, you know, you can do that right now, I think, with Fidelity and USAA. Um, so it seems like some of the larger financial firms have been fairly open to working with some of these cryptocurrency companies. I, you know, I imagine that may, you know, that may translate to other banks, but that's something you probably have to ask them or Coinbase themselves. Okay. And what do you see? Is any holdouts in the industry? Are credit unions less likely to do it? Are certain kinds of people in the niche more unlikely? Thank you, Mama. No, I don't think. So. I th- I don't think so. I think you know everybody really wants to um, to innovate and build with really cool, incredible new technologies. I think the problem you have is sometimes some smaller banks just don't have the resources and the capital to move as quickly as some of the larger firms, which is why you know we're excited to really you know roll out Plaid to you know almost 9,600 institutions in the U.S. And so whether you're a small crypto, whether you're a small bank or you're a really large bank, as as a consumer of those banks, you can actually hook hook up and work with any application. So I think traditionally, I think the smaller the banks, the less as a consumer of those, the less willing or able you were to actually hook up to these new technologies. But I think, you know, especially this year, that's changed. I mean, in the past, in the past couple, in the past couple of months, we've launched uh, like two or 3,000 new banks on some of our products. And so that type of speed and wow. that type of innovation in the sector is, um, is really, really good to see. Yeah, because I guess my perception was the opposite, that they were resisting the banks. The banks were resisting. They didn't, you know, they wanted to co-opt the technology for themselves. I didn't know there was such a rollout going on. Um, I would think that a lot of other people think the same thing. They see the banks as uh, maybe 
their enemy or um, not wanting to take this technology as is. But it sounds like you're saying it's a very different picture. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, as I said, I, I, you know, I, I can't talk too much for the banks, but I think in the in the end, um, everybody's fighting for the same thing. Everybody's fighting to make sure that the consumer uh, gets to have whatever you know, whatever access they want. And I think if a consumer of a bank wants to hook up to to a third party application, I think it's our job to make sure that goes really seamlessly. And I think you know, right now you can do that at a large bank, you can do that at a small bank, and I think that's really exciting for the field. Any big changes um, I'll see as a consumer in the U.S., or um, it's going to be kind of be all behind the scenes? Yeah, I, I mean, I think for us, I think, you know, the, the, the goal is that you actually don't see anything different. You actually think just, like, move and um, move faster, and things are linked more successfully and, and, and quickly. I think, you know, we don't really have too much of a consumer-facing presence, but I think, you know, depending on the way you bank, I think hopefully your interaction with some of these third-party applications, whether it be, you know, cryptocurrency applications or payment applications or budgeting applications, the process just gets faster and seamless and easier to use. Okay, very good. So how can companies uh, get involved with you, you know, with Plaid and find out about your offerings and uh, work with you? Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much anybody who wants to build in financial services, I think, you know, one of the cool, one of the cool trends that we've seen over the past couple of years is, you know, you know, in the early 2000s, the theme was everything was like, you know, every company is going to become a technology company. I think nowadays, every company needs to become a financial services company. If you look at companies like Airbnb, Uber, like in the end, they are financial services companies. And so I think anybody who wants to kind of build or innovate in the field, whether they need to, you know, get access to people's bank accounts, or they want to build out a completely new application, they can do that with Plaid. So definitely encourage everybody to, you know, go plaid.com. Sign up for some API keys, start playing around the platform and, and, see, and seeing what they can build. Well, great, William. Well, thank you so much. And I'm glad that uh, you're there to help people integrate with banks. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Well, th- thanks for having me. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.